recording, if that's okay. Turn with me in the beginning to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. Hello, darling. How are you? Very well. Amen. So you're going to hear this question again and again, and this is the basis of what we have to say today in the aftermath of pure understanding. If we rightly divide the Word of God, it's more than reading. The Bible calls you to study, to show yourself approved. That means you should research it, know all about it, that you can. So Miss Lynn has said, for we are not as many, many out there, which corrupt the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, just like God talking to you, in the sight of God, we're speaking in Christ. So let's look at that. Many people are using what Jesus said in a term of corruption. But we don't corrupt the Word of God, the body of Christ, or should we say in another term, Miss Cindy, the corpse of Christ, when Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus went and sought his body off the cross. They handled the corpse, the lifeless corpse of the Word. The Word, the letter. The Word, the flesh. The Word without spirit. The Logos. They handled the corpse of Jesus and they took it to what well may have been the sepulcher carved out by Shebna all the way back in Isaiah 22. Another sermon, but a good one. And they buried him in a borrowed tomb. But we're not as many which corrupt the word of God, but as of sincerity. But just like you're listening to God in Christ's stead, in the sight of God, we're speaking in the family of the Christ. Now every one of you who's born again, I want you to say, uh, let's just raise our hand and say, well, you're David the Christ. I'm Kevin the Christ. You're Jeff the Christ. You're Diane the Christ. You're Nisi the Christ. Well, that name don't come up much in heaven. God knows which one that one is. You know it? When he says Nisi, he says, yeah, we ain't got but a couple of those. Somebody say amen. So we're speaking in Christ. Now if you'll jump forward to scriptures, let's jump on this beast while we can. 
in Matthew 24, which unfortunately, as many uh, think their eschatology should be about ending the world, final things. Well, God says it's the beginning because in the new creation, in the grace covenant, He ended the old covenant and He began anew. All things are made new unto me. Raise your hand and say, I have a new life. I'm a new creature. Behold, old things are passed away. So we're not saying that something didn't end, but it only ended because God established a new beginning. That's how God ends anything, by establishing a new beginning. So it says in Matthew 24, 28, and get ready, Michael, because they're going to say, Okay, preacher, what do you say about this scripture? Josh, what do you have to say about this? Young Brent, the prophet, you'll like this because you're a Bible man. You love the Word. For whithersoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Let's say that together. For wheresoever the carcass is, there will the eagles be gathered together. Now go to Luke 17.37. It's the only other time that this is mentioned. And we're going to go back and look at the context of what Jesus was saying in the moment to make such a final punctuation to the idea that He has given. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. And they answered and said unto Him, Where, Lord, where, where does this happen? And He said unto them, Wheresoever a certain happening, what's happening? Well, He goes into this part, and I'll tell you this much. There's a time of deliverance. Two women are grinding at the wheel. One is taken, the other is left. Two men are in the bed. Ugh. Now if you read that right on the surface, that don't flush with me, Kyle. Two men are in the bed. No, not in my bed they're not. No, that's a big no. Amen. Now I'll take Diane in my bed, but the rest of you can stay out. Leave, right? Right? God gave me my proper gift, and it's that beautiful woman over there wearing the green and black. Praise God. Where does this take place? When does one man become a new man? When does two women become one woman? When you finally bury the old you, and you decide to really live as the new you. And I may still have some problems at times with the old you wanting to pop up and live and walk on and take place. So you're still two men until you decide the old man is perished and buried and gone away and I am the new man keeping my old ways beat down or delivered by the Word of God because I am a new creature. See, I became one man a long time ago and being one man puts me adversity, puts me unfortunately at adversity with many people who say they're Christians and yet they still walk as two people, the old and the new together. 
They claim their salvation, but they live mostly and they aspire mostly to the old nature, the old man, the old ways. And they have other goals and other centers than the one person does. Everybody say, God called me to be one. If you're still fighting the civil war of the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit lusting against the flesh so that many times you cannot do the things that you want to in God as you find the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh or maybe just the pride of life pulling you away from what real grace is and you remain, dare I say it, double-minded, double standards. You got two ways of thinking. And today you're here thinking about God, which is good. It's good that you think about God today. But it's even better when you think about God every day. And your eye becomes single to Him, Miss Janice, as we hope, as your elder lives. He's a good man of God. Everybody say Amen. Amen. So he says, And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? Where does this take place? Where is the location? How does this take place? And he said unto them, Whithersoever the body is, Everybody say the body now. Different word from uh, corpse. Thither will the eagles be gathered together. Now, we have two things to establish. If you'll go back to Matthew 24, 28. And how many knows the preacher should search out and study out acceptable words? And I continue to find that that which is written is upright, even words of truth. I find the Bible to be the incorruptible Word of God. I don't find filth and dirt and debauchery in the Bible. I don't malign its words. I don't corrupt its words. I don't deceive with fair speeches the simple... I take the words of God as breathed and inspired by God and they remain fresh and new every day of my life. But I say that as a new man. Everybody say as a new man. So back in Deuteronomy 32, when Moses was closing out his second writing of the first four books of the Bible, remembering his memoirs, Deuteronomy, twice told, the journey of God twice told. He said, In that day, God bear you up, the children of Israel, when He delivered them from uh, the Egyptian bondage, He bear you up on eagles' wings. And He delivered you from the slavery and the bondage of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Well, that's one reference. So we begin to see that eagles represent sons and daughters of God. That idea is revisited again by John the Beloved in chapter 12. Well, the woman, everybody say the woman, the bride, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the church, where she is taken to a place in the wilderness prepared for her by God. That's Revelation 12, 7. Seven short verses later, David the woman now has been given two wings of an eagle and she's the one that's flying. Which means the nature of God that carried her out of slavery and 
the days of Ramses, the Pharaoh of Egypt. God is not just carrying you anymore. He's now given you His very nature. You're born again, a child of God. That's why you feel the conflict. That's why you're experiencing the conflict of it almost seems like, gosh, there's like two natures in me. One that wants to live the old way, and another one constantly saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And yet the loving way doesn't demand that it has its way. It still lets you overrule if you want to overrule what the Spirit says to you in leading you and guiding you. But if you hear the Spirit and you're led of the Spirit, then you are a son and a daughter of God. Now the woman in 1214 has two wings of an eagle and she doesn't fly into the place prepared by God, but now it becomes a possession of hers. She flies into her place. Everybody say, I'm supposed to be a child of God. And my calling is to inherit the earth. It is my inheritance that fadeth not away. As I meekly, submissively, and yet profoundly and powerfully know who I am as a child of God, this inheritance of having the earth as a kingdom fades not away. It is your kingdom. It is your inheritance. It does belong to you. And God wants you to rule and reign with Him. I mean, you can say amen to that. So now we see the eagles are established as sons and daughters of God. And to cut the sermon somewhat shorter, uh, you should say amen right there. You should. Because you know how much I want to teach the Bible. I want you to know that's what it really says. There's another place talks about these eagles and it's a much less known place and it's found in Job 39 when God intentionally confounds Job because he's asking God of a question and the suffering that he's going through and God being the great question of all questions what does he do? He shows up and asks Job 80 questions Now at that time they seemed to be unanswerable. But from since his time to our time, we've gotten some answers during the time. How many can say amen? At that time they seemed to be, Pastor Scott, unanswerable questions that proved how sovereign, how futuristic, how eternal, how purposed, how loving, how complete, how entire God really is. And I want to say something about our God. He he does know what's going on. Look at your neighbor and say, He actually knows what's going on. And He's not blown away if you're in the middle of a battle or a trial, or if you're still trying to overcome an, an addiction. Those are not easy to overcome. They can be overcome, but it's going to take your all to do it. Somebody say amen. Now, Job 39, are y'all, y'all ready for this? Praise God. Job 39, 26. Doth, question, doth the hawk fly by thy wisdom? Does she stretch her wings towards the south? Doth the eagle mount up at thy command and make her nest on high? The eagle, 
Hey, darling. She dwelleth and abideth on the rock, upon the crag of the rock, and the strong place. From thence she seeketh the prey. Her eyes behold afar off. Everybody say, her eyes behold afar off. Now she's in a high place, lifted there by the wind, lifted by the Spirit of God. She sees afar off. Not just what we're doing today, but we're looking at this long term, Cindy. I want to be a Christian the rest of my days, the rest of my life. This is about today, yes. I want God to be real to me right here, right now, today. But I also want Him to be real to me the rest of my life. That's why in the book of Proverbs it says, when you set your vision, set it on the furthest goal. Now we do have to make short goal distances, but we've got to keep in mind, what is the long goal? What is the long game? What if we, by reason of age, died a good old age, where do we want to be when we pass away? I want to be a man like Abram, dying of a good old age, being blessed and favored by God and then by man, and that I have stayed the course, I have walked the walk, that my entire life is a journey about walking and growing with God. This is to see afar off. This is what eagles do. And the long game is given to you by who? Who made you think about eternity? Well, God did. I never thought about eternity till God came into my heart because I wasn't raised in a Bible conscience, gospel conscience, home. They didn't talk about the eternal things of God or eternal life or what we could do to live or what we could do to die. So I had no thoughts like that. I had no consideration. I was that eat and drink because tomorrow we die and it doesn't matter. That was it. Until God came in and I saw how important every single detail was to God. And fear came in my heart. I should say conscience. Conscience that I'd never had before. I began to be discerning about all that was around me. I began to pay attention. What are we doing here? What's happening here? What are we turning into? What does this do to my soul? Who am I to others? Who are others to me? What's going on inside of me? What's going on when I speak to others? How many's had that consciousness arise in your spirit and now you're more aware discerningly and spiritually than you've ever been before? If you have, say amen right there. You're seeing afar off. You're seeing afar off. Her young ones also suck up blood and where the slain are, there she is. Now that is a reference to fresh kill. Fresh kill. Now I've got to do some etymology with you. Back to Matthew 24, 28. If you like this so far, say amen. So far. See, I have to let this keep building on you, and making an impression on you. It made one on me. Now I've got to give you room and space and time for it to make one on you. Well, as the corpse, the carcass... It says carcass, but the Greek word is corpse. It means a body 
that is no longer has life in it, or a body that has become a corpse and cleaned, ready to be eaten, ready to be devoured, ready to be partaken of. If any of you watch these cable uh, shows where they live a subsistence lifestyle, maybe somewhere in the outer parts of Alaska where some of you would like to live, where that way you wouldn't have to see people very much. But you could be out there in the middle of nowhere and nobody. I personally would hate it because I like being around people. God is in the people business. How many can say amen? God actually loves people. He loves people like us. He even loves people that we don't love. And if we don't love them, it's only because we haven't met them and we don't know them. And we need to do both. Meet people, know people, and love people. Everybody say, that's my job. Because that's the proof that you do love Him that you haven't seen. If you can love Him whom God created and made in His own image, likeness, and dominion, then it must be proof that you love Him who created Him. and He is our Father of creation. So it says here that the carcass, the body, prepared for dining, prepared for living. Well, that's an interesting statement. Come on in in Jesus' name. Now I want you to take that thought and go with me to John chapter 6. And when you get there, say, I got it. John chapter 6. Where we're going to get into the, 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 the meat and blood of Jesus. Jesus said this astounding thing in John 6, 55 and 56. For my flesh is meat indeed. Interesting. It's an eating place. And my blood is drink indeed. Wherever the body is, the fresh kill, the fresh crucifixion of Christ, that's where the eagles show up. Because eagles, unlike the vultures, do not like carrion. They don't like rotting flesh. They don't want something that's putrefied. They want something and can eat something continuously that's already turning green with disease and sickness. An eagle doesn't prefer that. Now I know some of you smart alecks will go out there and say, and especially on the radio, well, I've seen an eagle eating roadkill before. Yeah, but you don't know how fresh that animal just got run over. And while we go with the body of Christ metaphor, let's remember that his flesh saw no corruption. And if this is indeed a reference to Christ, his death and crucifixion, the body that's given as meat indeed, and the blood that's given as drink indeed, he that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me and I in him. So now here's a fresh kill. Here is the fresh Word of God. But as it is, it is a carcass. It is a body without life. It is the Logos. And by Logos alone, if it's just the letter, it will be used to kill you. You can't even understand it correctly. Only by your approaching the Logos, the Word of God, that has no corruption is it resurrected back into what it really is, 
spirit and life. These words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and life. The same words that the Pharisees and the religious people speak to you, they're just the law and they have no life in them. And you will find under that administration, it's killing you. Because the letter killeth, but the Spirit of God giveth life. Your spirit of new birth energizes the Word of God and makes it living and real and resurrects it off the page as you understand sincerely. We're not as many which corrupt the Word of God, but as of sincerity. You see, I died because the old me was killing me. I died to me. Can we say that together? Do we realize that? The old me was killing me. I didn't need anybody's help. I was doing a great job by myself. I I, I wasn't tuning in and saying, how do I kill me? Let me Google that. How do I destroy Kevin? No, I was already working that own poison, making my own poison, uh, conjuring up new poisons. And then I would uh, predict going out and partaking of that poison, and I would put my life at risk unconsciously time and time again. How many's ever been there and wondered, God, how did I get home? Lord, please don't let me ever do that again until I made it through that and I'd go out and do it again. Is that not insane? Is that not absolutely insane? I've been that person. Insanity. Go out and do something and thank God I got home and then go out and do the very same ridiculous thing again. Put my life all back on the line and do it unconsciously. Because the moment that I kept on living, all I needed to do was the darkness inside of me. Jesus said, if you want to live, if two of you wants to become one of you, and how many would like to be one person? That we can finally meet the person in you that's a Christian. Not just on your bad days, not while you're calling everyone else whom God loves morons and idiots because they don't agree with you in that moment of life, whatever that means. And they don't qualify by your credentials in that moment that you want something done. And now all the world's a bunch of morons except you. Oh, that's, 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 a, that's a great theology. Way to go there. And you love God. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, the, the, the woods are full of wolves like you covered in sheep's clothing, which are also, if they turn into ministers, angels of light misrepresenting the Word of God to misguide and mislead you. They say they're a preacher. They appear as a preacher. They dress up in the garments of light, but they are corrupting the Word of God. And this Bible, this Word, this body of Christ, this one who died that... Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus took off the cross was never corrupted. You'll turn to Acts chapter 2. We find the supporting text. Acts 2.22. How many like the Bible? I don't like much other things because I hear so many other things, but I like someone who can rightly divide and at least show me the pattern. If you say that this is Christ, show me the pattern of Christ 
in the Scriptures. You men of Israel, hear these words. Who? Jesus of Nazareth, that's who. A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him, that Jesus Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, turned him into nothing but a corpse, because that's all he ever was to them. They were corrupting the Word of God. You and I go to Him and we smell the sweet fragrance of life. But an unbeliever can go to the same body of Christ and all they smell is death and the carrion, rotting flesh of ideas that they do not want to live. But I do want to live this way. I do want to follow Christ. I do have faith to believe that I died and in Him these words these uncorruptible words of God, the incorruptible word of God, that I will find life. And it won't just be letter, but it will be spirit and life. The words that He speaks literally energize, inspire me, and illuminate me, and motivate me to live as He lived. How many could say amen to that? See? Whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. He's on my right hand that I should not be moved. Psalm 16, 8. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope. Because that will not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Now the corpse that Jesus is referring to is His own body. His body never saw corruption. It never turned to rotting flesh. The Bible is not a rotting idea to the believer. It is the way, the truth, and the life. But to the unbelievers, they hate the Bible. It is the fragrance of death. It is nothing but carrying rotten, dead ideas that they do not want to live. So they said in the temple of God, in the temple of their narcissism, showing themselves that they are God and not Jesus Christ who has saved them to live a wonderful life. Now that's your calling, to know who redeems you. So now we see, He shall not suffer His Holy One to see corruption. And Thou hast made known to me the ways of life, that Thou shalt make me full of joy with Thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto, unto this day. And David's body has seen corruption, probably all the way down to nothing but dust. All that's remained of him is nothing but dust that he's turned back into. So he must have been speaking of someone else. Well, therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that of the fruits of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. 
he's seeing this before, spake of the resurrection, that his soul was not left in hell, neither did his flesh see corruption. Now that's about five times in the Bible. So again, the carcass of Jesus, the body of Jesus, saw no corruption. It could have no corruption. Even though they anointed him to death, it was not going to be necessary because his body would never stink. Remember when they went to the tomb of Nicodemus, they said, Lord, it's been so long, it's beyond three days, and we know corruption sets in after 72 hours. By now he stinketh. By now he smells bad. His flesh is decaying and rotting. Never happened with Jesus. Because the ideas of God are pure ideas. They're eternal ideas. But what activates the Word of God, let's go back to Matthew 24, 28 again. I mean, he likes this so far. How can the two of me become one solid person? Well, you've got to finally start eating at the table of Jesus and believe his ideas, walk in his ideas, live his thoughts, and let your eye become single, and then your whole body can be full of light. And how many would like to be full of light? Amen. I would too. Now, in Matthew 24, it's all about, up to this point, we go back to Matthew 24, 24. And what's he saying? There shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. If it were possible. Behold, I have told you before... Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in secret chambers, believe it not. For as the lightning cometh out of the west, out of the east, and shineth into the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For whithersoever the carcass is, the body of Christ, without corruption, that's what eagles like, fresh meat, fresh kill, fresh blood, the eagles will be gathered together. Now back to John 6. I'm going to read a little bit deeper. Each time I'm going to go a little bit deeper because we want this to sing in. A lot of people say Christ here, Christ there. And how many of you know one of the ways you can check if someone is honest is whether they speak of themselves or whether they speak of God. And that's why you're following in your Bible. That's why I, I <laughs> almost demand it. Uh, some of you just trust your souls with me. God bless you. But the rest of you who are earnestly working out your salvation, you need to know that this is from the Bible. These are not my thoughts. These are God's thoughts. This is what God says. And you can know that a man that preaches like that is a man of honesty, a man of spirit, and there's nothing but truth in him, because that's all I have to serve you with, is the truth of God. So again, John 6, 55.
Let's, ju- let's jump back to 52. They're choking. <coughs> They're choking on the fact that Jesus said that I am the living bread that a man may eat thereof and never die. Now the Pharisees didn't like that statement. They didn't like Jesus claiming to be the bread of heaven. They didn't like Jesus claiming that he could forgive sin. They didn't like Jesus proclaiming that he was the son of God. They didn't like Jesus saying, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Woo! Boy, we really don't like that one. Who do you think you are? You being a man, making yourself God. I guess they never understood that God being God could make himself a man. You know, like he did Adam, like he did the rest of us. Somebody say amen. 52, the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat as if it were living bread? Then Jesus saith unto them, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except you, oh boy, instead of backing off the statement, Jesus is going to drive into the statement. Now notice how provocative he is here. Instead of pulling out of the statement, sensing, Sister Lynn, their offense, Jesus doesn't pull out of the statement. No, he rather goes down into low one and he drives in granny gear right over the top of them. He puts it in four-wheel drive and he's going to rock climb right over their hard attitudes and show you who he really is. Not only am I the living bread, chumps, but I'm also meat to eat and blood to drink. Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have, ouch, no life. Everybody say, no life. And if any man have not the Spirit, he is none of his. I don't care how religious you are. How many ceremonies and services and how many sayings you've gone through. Christ has to be born again in your heart. How many of you born again people know that to be the truth? See, he was born in me. He got born in the city of David about 2,000 years ago and about... 47 years ago, he was born in the city of Kevin. And I remember the day he moved in. Wow! Jesus lives... How you doing, Jesus? Praise God. Because know you not? Do you need an examination? Do you not know that Christ dwells in your hearts by faith? He's in me. That's why I keep reading this book. It keeps leading me back to it. Leading me to read it again. Come back and eat more. Eat it more, Kevin. Chew on it more. Consider it more. You didn't get all the juice out of it yet. Whoso eateth my flesh, 54. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As a living Father has sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. Now, I don't know about you, David. I've met people in my Christian life, Brother Mark, that told me not to speak so much about Jesus. I had too much to say about Jesus. To not preach in His name, to not use His identity, that somehow or another God the Father was claiming identity theft when I placed such honor upon His only begotten Son. 
I said there's no identity theft. When my knee bows and my tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, this is what glorifies God as Father. I said, what book are you reading? This is not a corrupt text. He is the testator of the New Testament. And he ended Moses and the law. Thank God Elijah with him. The killer. Everybody say, we don't need the method of killing. You begin to listen to anyone who talks too much, too freely about other people dying as if God doesn't care. He only loves us. Now the rest of the world could go to hell in a handbasket. You are not listening to the Spirit of Christ. Christ loves everybody and He's not willing that any would perish. And if you perish, you're going to have to work at it to perish. You will go into torment with the blood of Jesus on your feet. You'll have to walk over the blood of the covenant to get in there. And I'd rather have Him walking in me than walk around in His blood and say He's not real. Somebody say Amen. (laughs) He shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and did eat and he that eateth of this bread shall live forever. No, look at Jesus. He's in church again. Everybody say he's in church again. And we need to pray for all our so-called brothers and sisters who think serving God can be done outside of church, who never attend church, who never go to the synagogue. The pattern of Jesus was, oops, everybody say, oops. Here he is again. Oops, guess where I found him? Uh, you can find him every Sunday. He's in the synagogue teaching. That's where he's at. He was here today in spirit. The presence of the Lord was here to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus, there He is again in the synagogue as He taught in Capernaum. Many Many therefore of His disciples when they heard this said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? when Jesus knew in Himself that His disciples, the so-called followers, this is the same bunch that ate the cafeteria meal when they took the loaves and the fishes and it was the best fish fry they ever had. And just earlier in the chapter, they ate so good they were willing to take Him and make a king out of Him. Jesus said, well, you did eat of the bread and the fishes and you, you were truly fed. You liked it. But labor not for that meat and drink which perisheth, because my flesh is incorruptible. My flesh does not. My flesh is not ruined uh, as the carrion of dead animals. I am forever the Word of God. I am the Word that was in the beginning, the Word that was with God, and the Word that was God. What then activates this carcass, this body, After it's died, we go through a season of learning that we must die to ourselves. How many has been through the season of your milk learning step by step that you must die to yourself, the old man? Every time you get down to pray, do you have to look at who you are? I do. I can't get down and pray with God says, okay, we're going to start from the start. Let's take a look in your soul. God, just pray for this and that and the other. No. 
Prayer is introspective. Prayer is when you take a look at you from the inside out, not the outside in. Prayer is when you go around and look at the inventory and God immediately wants to get on your soulish elevator and He said, let's go to the basement. I've seen all these rooms where you've got it all cleaned up nice. That's great, but I want to go to the basement. Oh, you hide stuff in the attic. Well, let's go up there. Let's start up there. Let's continue the cleaning that you need to be complete and whole. Can you say amen? See, now they said, What and if Jesus knew in himself his disciples murmured at this saying, and he said unto them, And here we go. Does this offend you? Are you offended by this? Blessed are they that endure offenses. It's necessary, but that offenses come. If you're a Christian uh, and you haven't been offended yet and you're born again walk with God, you haven't walked with God very much and you've said even less about Him. I've been flat out attacked. I mean eaten alive for being born again. Even by other Christians, generally they're the worst. Because they really come down on you. But nevertheless... What and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was before. That's where I came from. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Let's say that together. There's the key statement. It is the Spirit that takes the carcass, the body of Christ, that seems to have no life in it. And yet when you come with your born-again experience, your Spirit puts the life back in the Word. The same way Jesus put His Spirit back in this body, and rose from the dead the third day. Everybody say, I'm the reason, the Jesus that lives in me, the Spirit that lives in me, is the reason the Word is quickened. People say, oh, the Bible's just alive. It just sits on my desk at home, and it levitates, and and flows like a river. It's just a living Word. No, it's an uncorruptible Word, but it's not living until your Spirit quickens it. I'm going to say that again. It's not a living word until you approach with the understanding that the old me has to die and I'm hoping that the new me lives straighter, taller, more loving, more kind, more merciful, more godly, more sober, more righteous in this present world. Everybody say, in this present world. Not in the next life. God would kind of like you to act like you're born again in this life. Thank you very much. And not be ashamed of it. See? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Well, the flesh, it profiteth nothing. How many's learned that lesson? Yeah. Dealing with my old man again. The flesh profiteth nothing. And the words that I speak unto you, oops, they are spirit and they are life. Everybody say the Spirit quickens. So what can make the carcass, the body of Christ taken off the cross. What do we learn there when we're babes and drinking milk? Our Savior loves us. And we begin to partake of that milk and we learn and find that He's a gracious Savior. Because no matter how much I mess up, He just loves me right through it. No matter how much I try my old traits and my old methods and maybe even track back to my old places of sin, he's right there to say, you know you don't belong here no more. 
Now I love you. Come on, let's leave this place. You don't belong here in this bar. You don't belong here getting doped up and drunk up. You don't, you don't, you don't belong here with all these potheads. They don't think better when they're stoned. They're just stoned. And I didn't call I called you to be a living stone. I can take from these stones and make them cry out in their places. So maybe there is a place for them, but God's got to convert them from being stoners. Somebody say amen. Come on, can't you laugh at your former sins? I, oh, I'm sorry. Y'all were at the Bible study when God saved you. I forgot. You were teaching about Noah when you got born again. No, not me. I didn't know there was a Noah. Somebody say amen. Now I want you to turn to uh, Isaiah 28. What are we there when we are with the, the, the body that's dead? We're learning how to die to ourselves. And during that time, sister, here's something that generally happens. When you see that Jesus died on the cross and that you, in like manner, at this carcass, body of Christ, with the new spirit inside of you, you too need to die. I don't know if you went through this, but I sure did. I went through a season, and it was a lot had to do with how I was being mistaught, wrongly taught. Instead of being gracious and kind, I became very legalistic and very judgmental. How many has ever gone through a season of that? How do we witness that? A lot of young preachers, young novices are like this. Well, this is what's wrong with them, and that's what's wrong with them, and that's what's wrong with the church, and that's what's wrong with Sunday school class, and that's what's wrong with praise and worship. Oh, shut up. Okay, you're dying to yourself. Great. Those aren't doctrines that are cause anybody else to live. And if you keep being harsh and ugly like that, you're going to wind up with no love, and you're going to be very unhappy. Like I did. I remember going to prayer and said, God, I just feel so unloved. He said... God, no kidding. He says, when's the last time you showed love to anybody? He said, you become Mr. Self-Righteous, shooting the Bible off, shooting your mouth off at everybody, stripping everybody down, dressing them down, telling them why they can't be this and they can't be that. And I'm like, oh my God, not, not me. He said, oh yeah, you. And some people still want me to have a tendency like that. They still think that that cord is still in me and it's not there anymore. I don't want to condemn people to hell. I'm not willing that they perish. And I think the way we save people is love. If I find someone overtaken in a sin, I'm going to cover them with love. I don't need you coming. Hey, do you know what he did last night? Did you know what you did last night? God didn't come up to me the day he saved me and say, Kevin, you know what you did? I was thinking about saving you. But what you did last night just blew it right out of the water. You've lost your chance forever, you dirty little rascal. You thieving varmint, get out of here. Ridiculous what we put people through. Now it says in Isaiah 28, as we grow from the milk, as we grow from the milk, verse 9, whom shall he teach knowledge? Whom shall he make to understand doctrine? God would like to teach you some holy knowledge. The knowledge of the Holy One that is understanding. The more you know about Christ because He's exalted His Word, 
as even higher than His name. That's why His name is above every name because of who He is in ideals, in love, and in forgiveness, in grace. Y'all with me? He'd like to teach you knowledge and then He'd love to teach you doctrine. But you're going to have to do more than read occasionally. I like it when people, I read my Bible. You know, you're awful confused for someone who reads the Bible. Thank God for that. Let's grow into study. Reading is a start. Everybody say, reading is a start. I probably search the Bible more now than I ever have in my whole Christian life. Hours on end go by. Reading, studying, studying, reading, look up, definition. This goes with this, this goes with that. I want to have something fresh. Eagles like fresh kill. I don't want to come in here with, you know, I'm not like Diane. She loves bologna and cheese. I don't want to have Oscar Mayer bologna and cheese that, that comes out of the packing house that was made with yesterday's pork and yesterday's pig guts. and There's no telling what's in that stuff. Ugh. Diane eats it right out of the pack, for God's sake. Ugh. She's a baloney freak. Me, not so much. I mean, it is baloney, and there's some things. If you cook it and fry it, put an egg on it and some lettuce and tomato, I'm going to lose my whole congregation. Uh, But none of that cold packing, putrefied flesh that, that extrudes out of a big uh, grinding meat machine where they put in the feet and the ears and uh, the pig snouts and, 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 and the pig brains. Maybe a few. I can't talk about it. Now I know how God feels. He's trying to give you a kosher diet. You better thank God for prayer that is sanctified by the Word of God in prayer because nothing else would sanctify it. I'm just kidding. Look at it. Who shall he teach knowledge and who gets to understand doctrine? Well, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. Now, if the milk has taught you anything, it should be leading you to the bread, the bread that becomes not just bread, and it's no longer who is it, you know exactly who it is. It's Jesus Christ, and He's not corruptible. You know what? Diane's not the only one that likes baloney in here. I can tell by the smiles on your face. I got a bunch of baloney bandits in here. <laughs> We're about to have a civil war in here. What did you say, Kevin? I brought up baloney. That's the last thing I heard. No. But people that are no longer uh, uh, feeding from the breast, they're weaned, they're taken off just milk. They come to the bread of the Word. They come to the meat of the Word. They come to the blood of Christ. Now the rubber's about to meet the road. Now your potentiality of becoming one new person really is at hand. Now the double life, the dual life, the double standard, the double-mindedness can be washed away. And you may have the old man show up every now and then. Every now and then. 
But now you've grown into what really makes you live, what really makes you grow, and it's the uncorruptible Word of God. That's why we preach as of sincerity, but as of God we're speaking in Christ. And every one of you who knows the Spirit should know whether I'm telling you the truth or not because you have the Spirit inside of you saying, uh, he's by himself on the baloney thing. But the rest of it you can swallow. Right? <laughs> For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line. Here a little and there a little. And then he makes this strange statement inferring the baptism of the Holy Ghost. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people. Everybody say a stammering lip. How many ever seen someone receive the Holy Ghost and their tongue and mouth is just it's just all in their mouth? How many ever seen that? Takes a while to figure out. It took me a, forever. They said, yield your mouth and tongue to God. So one night after praying all night, everybody was exasperated because they knew that I wanted the Holy Ghost. Sister Houck said, son, just give God your tongue. So I just threw it out of my mouth and said, eh. You can have it. If that's what it takes, take it, Jesus. He said, no, you big dummy. You have to speak, but the Spirit gives the utterance. You have to normally speak words. I didn't understand that. I heard that back there. I didn't understand that. Come up here closer where I can get my eyes on you, sister. You know what? I was just like her. I didn't understand it either. They said, just give God your tongue. So I threw it out there. I said, I don't know why God wants this. Why? Take my tongue. Because I had the concept that God was going to open and close the motor functions of syllables and my phonics for me. And He won't do that. You have to pronounce the syllables. You have to pronounce the phonics. But... When you speak with your known voice, it generally... Well, this is, this is in the best case scenario. In the best case scenario, most of what everybody said should come through here first. How many met some of those that don't use this first? I have to tell people all the time, David, please think before you speak. See, fast thinking like that gets you nowhere. You just hear more of the same. Everybody talks like that. That's no good. To be a spiritual thinker, you have to slow down. See what God intends. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Now God uses your ability to pronounce symbols and, and, and phonetics, sounds, your alphones, and there are only 37 by which we speak, 37 alphones, sounds, syllables by which we pronounce English in, which comes from the Phoenician branch of language. God may have to literally get you to start pronouncing things that you know, that you know you don't normally say. I didn't understand it either, sister, and nobody that went to church could ever explain it. And apparently I'm not doing a good job either, but I'm trying. I'm trying. Why we speak in tongues? Why we speak in the language of God? 
It shows that God is now controlling the most unruly part of our body. If God can control your tongue, your tongue is a world of iniquity. You've done more harm with your tongue than any other part of your body. Wars and millions have died over what the tongue said. We've killed people's influence, torn them down, never built them up, ripped them apart, shredded them through our paper shredder, or our mouths, all that salt water, that poisonous Dead Sea salt comes through instead of good fresh water that's usable. And if God can control your tongue, I got to look at you over that bald head. If God can control your tongue, He can control you. I have to bounce off the top of Wister's head and get back there to her. Praise God. I'm surfing while I'm preaching. I have to hit that just right because I'm trying to drop it right off in her lap. Praise God. Because I like her. And I think that's a legitimate question. I don't understand that. Well, I didn't either. And what I also found, dear sister, is all the people who had the Holy Ghost also did not understand how they had it. They said, I don't know. I just prayed and I got it. I'm like, Lord, please help me find someone who can teach the Holy Ghost, please. And God said, okay, I elect you. Since it's such a big hitch for you, you explain it. We'll see how you do at it. So now it's my turn. So I speak that language that comes out of my belly. When the Spirit moves on me, the Spirit quickens me. So if I'm speaking in tongues, I feel the Spirit of God moving on me in that very moment. And I can speak in tongues as long as that Spirit stays on me. And then He is giving me the interpretation, the knowledge and the doctrine to prophesy about where we should go in that very moment in real time. Many times the Holy Ghost will come on me to approve what I'm saying. Please come now. Please come now. To approve of what I'm saying. And to let you know that He's on course. He is saying what I want Him to say, mostly. Can we say amen? Can we laugh at ourselves a little bit? I've taken me so seriously so long, uh, I've, I've run people away with being so serious. I thought being good and serious, they'd really know I was serious. And they really did, and they said, Ah! I can't do that. So I want you to know it's for all of us. He loves you. If He can control your tongue with 10,000 unknown words, then you should be able to prove it with five known words that you can speak clearly with understanding to edify others. The whole idea is, by way of submission to God, you now are a person who's really taught and educated by the Holy Ghost, and the speaking in tongues shows that you submit to the Holy Ghost because He controls the most unruly part of your body. Your hellfire tongue now becomes heaven fire. And the only thing we should be burning off of you is unbelief. So if you feel warm today, you know what God is doing. (laughs) Watch this. For with a stammering lip and another tongue. You'll think about that on the drive home. He threw that at me. Yes, he did, because he loves you. 
with a stammering lip and another tongue will he speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest. This is what you need. This is the Spirit, literally, that makes the Bible real. It's what Jesus said. It's the Spirit that quickeneth. What brings this back to life from the corpse of Jesus, the the uncorruptible Word of God, it lays here a corpse until your spirit comes and quickens it and it's made alive to inspire, quicken, and bring you into the realities of God. Your born-again spirit turns this Bible on. Because there are a lot of people that have Bibles. How many knows there's a lot of people that have Bibles? Less people read them. Less people understand it. And there are so many different interpretations. For God's sake, Russian roulette, who do we listen to? He says this and she says that. And he says this. I always look for the Spirit. When it comes to Billy Graham, I think his daughter is the anointed one. Anne Franklin Graham. I think she's the anointed one. And, and lots. Yeah, her. Yeah, I think she's the, the anointed one out of her father's house. She's the one that I can listen to. I believe she has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the church. I feel conviction in God's stirring when she speaks. Others, mm, not so much. Watch. This is the rest wherewith you shall cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Yet they would not hear me. But the word of the Lord remained the same. The corpse or the body of Christ remained the same, Sister Lynn. It was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they may go, now watch this, go, fall backward, be broken, snared, and taken. It doesn't energize them, it doesn't quicken them, it doesn't literally illuminate them to live a new life. And they read the same word you do, and you get life out of it, and all they get is a story out of it. The carnal mind does not receive the things that be of the Spirit of God. Your spirit activates this carcass, this body, to come back to life. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. Everybody say, that's what I've got. Well, this is the word that's incorruptible. It doesn't get corrupt if a couple generations don't follow it. If there are a couple generations that turn away from it, God will raise up a new generation. He'll put His Spirit in that generation and they'll come back to this incorruptible carcass, this incorruptible logos, and they'll bring it back to life. That's all I've done. God put His Spirit in me and I began to read the Bible and people came here to hear how living and how alive it really was. How living and how alive it really was. That's Don Doster meeting me in the cobbled driveway. He said, I need to know that you're going to preach about Jesus. And a smile started right here. He said, I need to know you baptized in Jesus' name. And the smile was up to here. He said, I don't want to hear anything but Jesus. And then it went over the back of my ears and I said, well, you, sir, are in the right place. Because that's what I preach. That's what Curtis preaches. 
That's what we all preach. Christ, the head of the body, the head of the church. How many can say amen? How many knows that we do not corrupt the Word of God and beyond that, the Word of God is not corruptible? It's a logos until we come with our spirit and then the spirit in us energizes His concepts and precepts and makes them alive in us. So let's turn to 1 Timothy 3.16 and I'm closing. I think. David, you can't get preaching like this anywhere else. It's hot off the grill. I mean, I'm like that chef. What are those Japanese restaurants where they cook in front of you? Yeah, oh, so you go there. Now, I've been trying to do all the hat tricks and, and you know, flip the shrimp and open your mouth and I'll, I'll flip one, I'll take my spatula and throw it to you. But this is fresh. Everybody say fresh word. The fresh word of God. And you'll see 1 Timothy. Oh, I, I need to turn there. Okay. Yeah, okay. I'll be getting on me. This is extemporaneous. I mean, I'm doing this by the will of God. We're going to close with this. I can feel the Lord telling me He's nudging me now. He's nudging me. Either He's nudging me or you are. 2 Timothy 3.16. Oh, I love Jesus, don't you? Yes, there it is. Praise God. All Scripture, 3.16. Not John 3.16, but 2 Timothy 3.16. See, I don't know why that just stands out to me. 3.16. It's God's number, right? No, it's just the Bible. Listen, all Scripture is given by inspiration. Now, the spirit of inspiration was birthed in you. And it takes this body of Christ, this living Word, this written Word, this Logos, and it resurrects it to build the same kingdom first and foremost in your heart so that you'll begin to build that kingdom also around in your life. You'll love people. My dry cleaners knows that I'm going to pray for him. He's had recurring cancer. And he knows that I'm going to take the time to show him love. I never put him on the spot. But I'm going to take hands and I'm going to pray with him on the spot that Jesus is his healer. How many will agree with me that God will heal my, my dry cleaners? Just a young man. You can tell his wife is concerned. She doesn't want to lose her husband. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. How many ever gets corrected by just the Bible? Well, I've had the Bible reach out and go, slap me right on my jaws before and say, I'm talking to you, boy. For correction and instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be mature, perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now remember, eagles don't like dead flesh. They don't like corrupt flesh because we're not vultures. Now, a vulture will go over and eat a pack of bologna. The eagle won't touch it. <laughs> I'm not going to let go of that, am I? Oh, my goodness. 
But we eagles, we've got to have fresh cut. We've got to go to the butcher. We've got to see it cut right off the carcass and then right onto the grill. That's the way we like it. We like that fresh stuff. And you vivify the Spirit of Christ that is in you vivifies and quickens and makes this carcass alive so it can now live in you. That's what it means when he says that. Don't go listening to people just because they say miracles here, miracles there. They did that several years ago, Sister Lynn, went down to Lakeland, Florida, and the guy supposedly charlatan that he was, a false apostle, a deceiver, kicking people in the stomach and saying they were getting healed, not telling you that three days later that guy that he kicked in the stomach died. Now if he would kicked my dad in the stomach when he had cancer and he died three days later, he would have got kicked all right, but it wouldn't have been the stomach that got kicked. It would have been another part of his anatomy. Because I, I wouldn't take well for you kicking my dad. Y'all with me? What you need is right in here. Keep praying, keep reading this book. And predominantly the New Testament. Predominantly what Jesus says. Is that okay? Because this is the body of Christ. This is the carcass. It's not carrion. It's not old dead rotting flesh. It is the fresh kill, the uncorruptible body of Christ, the Logos, the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I finished now. I said what you wanted me to say. Lord, I pray that they get it. Lord, forgive us when we eat baloney. Sanctify it by the word of God in prayer. Lord, we Gentiles love that stuff. So God, watch over us and keep us. Help us to grow spiritually. Help us to grow in light. Help us to grow in love. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. All right, you're free.